Welcome to the Build Different Podcast. We are your hosts, Bethany and Sarah, and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the minds of fellow real estate investors and entrepreneurs. We pull back the curtains to learn all of the secrets and strategies on the road to success. We are here with Andrew Greer today. What's up? Hey, what's happening? Well, thanks for joining us. So just tell us about who you are and what you're up to in the real estate world. Yeah, so I live here in San Diego, real estate developer, infill developer, and then I have a sales team. Um, so we do resell, re- residential sales and commercial sales um, and just really focused on high density multifamily on infill lots. So like middle of neighborhoods at an apartment complex. So neighbors don't like me. <laughs> Nor do we or anyone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just in general. Yeah, just Savage. in general. No, no. no, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast because there's probably like a handful of people when I think San Diego real estate, like a handful of people that come to mind and you're one of them. So I'm really excited just to hear about your journey and things that you've learned along the way. And so how did you even get into real estate to begin with? Yeah, so I was um, I was a stockbroker before the 2008 recession, and that happened. And I went back to bartending, so I had to make I made this transition back to uh, bartending, and I wanted to get back into investing, um, but I didn't want to get into the stock market again. Um, So I looked into real estate, started doing more research, um, ended up finishing my college degree because I hadn't finished it before because we just started doing really well on, um, in the market. So went back, finished, looked into real estate. I was like, I'm going to do this. So I started prospecting for houses, like the most random ways, like door knocking was like the most normal thing I did. Um, but then I would do like Craigslist ads. Cause that was like a thing bandit signs. Um, and then I would give my card to five people a day and tell them I buy houses. And I got my first house from a guy I met at 7-Eleven. Um, wow, line. that's an interesting Like place. waiting in line to check out? Yeah, he was waiting in line to check out. And I was like, hey, I buy houses. And four months later, he just called me out of nowhere. And he's like, hey, I need to sell my house. Um, and it was up in LA. Yeah. So I drove up to LA. Like I was in Huntington Beach that day, met this guy at 7-Eleven. So he lived up in LA. I lived in San Diego. And ended up buying that house and just went from there. I got the contract, went back to my book of business, my clients from being a stockbroker mm-hmm. and called Keith, who's now my business partner. Um, and I was like, hey, like, do you want to get into investing in real estate? We sat down, started a partnership two days later, and we've been business partners for 11 years now. Wow. So that was that was how it started. So I was uh, bartending and I had three flips going at the same time. Wow. <laughs> Keep it you busy. Tough. So you're like realtor broker by day, drink server, yeah. cocktail. By night. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So yeah, how long did nice. you do the book? How long did you carry both for before you just did full time? It was about a year and a half. I closed out a bunch of deals and I reinvested my money. Then I had my first, like, I think we made like 290,000 on one flip. Like wow. a killer one. And I was like, all right, I can stockpile some cash. I still have investment money to go in. And uh, I just stockpiled the money and uh, just went from there and just got it going where I was full time. And that was 
the most important decision because as soon as I went full time, I was already working like 80 hours a week. So I went to working like 70 hours a week. Yeah. Amazing. But it was all in real estate, which carried much more value. Yeah. I think, yes, for sure. Like time-wise, like return for your effort. Um, I think that's a great point. I feel like a lot of people don't realize or they just don't think that it's possible for them to be able to make a transition from whatever their nine to five is or their part-time job or like they don't like what they're doing, but they're like, I can't just start something else. It's like, no, you, you're right. You have to work twice as hard if you want to change. Yeah. Did you or Keith have any real estate experience at that point? Keith had bought a couple properties, um, but it wasn't no flips, nothing like that. I had no real estate experience. Um, and uh, I just had watched some YouTube videos. Give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that mindset from? Like the, like wanting to pursue these entrepreneurial paths? Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, so yeah. he owned transmission businesses. Uh, we went through a lot in the sense, like I saw my dad's business, like go under, we got foreclosed on. So we wow. like, I went through like an eviction and all that pain. You myself. still wanted to go down that route. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, I find it very concerning to rely on somebody else for your check. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like people think that working for like commission and on your own is high risk. I think it's more high yes. risk to expect somebody else to always be able to pay you. I also have paid payroll and been very close and been like, I wonder how often this is happening when I worked for somebody. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're like, (laughs) I "I don't know how he's going to make payroll. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I think that helps you with, you're like, oh yeah, no, it doesn't, you don't just get paid. Yeah. That has to happen. Right. Really at the end of the day, you can only rely on yourself to make things happen. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you have like a controlling, not, I mean, I feel like, when I say controlling, it can be taken in a negative sense, but I think it can also be seen as a positive thing. Do you feel like you have some more controlling traits within your personality? Yeah, I think uh, like being in control of your life, essentially, I feel like most entrepreneurs. Have I that like being in control of things. I'm okay with letting it go, which I wasn't mm-hmm. forever. Um, and I am like almost to a fault like if I can't change it I don't care about it doesn't like I just don't let stuff that's like not downrange not something I can solve I just it is what it is and I just I move it off the plate so I agree there yeah yeah if there's no actionable item that you can do that is within your control then it shouldn't take up any of your brain space exactly right but in a sense Regard in regards to your business and everything, you have much more control over it than if you were working for someone's business. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, how did you make the shift from buying? I mean, I know you still are flipping to this. You do a little bit of everything, but um, how did you switch from just buying and flipping residential property to doing more of the infill development deals? Yeah. So it was. I bought a flip in Oceanside that I wanted to put an ADU on. And this was like years ago. And they're like, and ADUs weren't cool. Oh, like, <laughs> no, we can't do that. Um, and uh, we were told the lot was a certain width and it was five feet narrower. So we couldn't put the ADU on it. So I was promised one thing. I went to the seller and I was like, hey, this doesn't work. 
I need to buy your other property. They own the property behind it too. Uh-huh. I said, I'll, I just need you to work with me to make a deal. Like, give me a seller carry. I'll buy all this land. So I bought an acre and a half of land off of them behind it. Literally no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, bought that land. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I can shift this line over on this property and do my ADU and build a couple other houses. Well, it turns out you could build three more houses back there. So I went in and I still remember I went to, um, I think it's called Twigs, uh, like the coffee shop. Yeah. I down for like 12 hours almost. Started in the morning, ended at night, reviewing all of the code for how you could permit. Oh, uh, I love yeah. those rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> So I did that. And then that's when I realized that I really like code. Like I enjoy that. Um, So we went through, permitted that building, sold the property. At the same time, I bought a few others and I built my first five houses. Um, I built them, I sold them. And as soon as I was done selling them, I was like, that sucks. I don't want to sell anything else. So I started doing more multifamily. So I got deeper into the code, learned the code a lot more and started building multifamily housing. And so I just did the five houses and then I was like, no, I don't want to do houses. Moved into apartments. Apartments are way easier. They are more complicated, but it's only one building or two, depending upon your pro- your project. And it's way more controlled and all the BS of a new buyer on a new home you don't deal with because they like are insane when they buy new homes. <laughs> so, yeah. Emotional. It's emotional. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, so now it's did that. So just moved into it from that. And then we flipped some stuff. Not a ton right now. Only like when I say flip, I guess we remodel because we try and keep everything. So our goal now is to not right sell right. anything unless it's a wholesale. So we still do some wholesales. We do some wholesales. Um, right now um and i like those those are like nice just getting a nice check but it sucks the the tax implications on that like once you get deeper into multifamily, you're like why would i ever do that like this is terrible Mm. so you said i just want to go back to how you mentioned that it's way easier but more complicated yeah so can you elaborate a little bit on what makes it easier in your head that it seems better in the long run to take on something more complicated. So it's complicated in the fact that like you have to get all your air conditioning, all of your water lines, all of your, all of those different things to where they have to be. It's easier because it's one set of plans. It's one project. It's one site. So you're building 10 units on one property. I don't have to go to 10 different locations. To you're working at- on one project. Yeah. One set of plans instead of 10 properties and 10 sets of plans. Exactly. Got it. I like that you uh, like dove into how you got into code because one of like the biggest things that I look up to you for and what I, my go-to is you when it comes to like code, like zoning. And and for anybody who doesn't know, Andrew's kind of like a zoning guru. I was just going to say, yeah, guru (laughs) of code and zoning. And as far as learning goes with that, do you have any tips or pointers, because I feel like zoning and county codes and all those are ever changing for anybody else who wants to learn that stuff outside of coming um, and being a client of yours. What would you um, let them know or yeah, look into? Look at like your local 
investment groups or local community groups for planning. So like North Park has a planning group, for instance, and downtown has a planning group and Hillcrest has a planning group. And these are local groups that review projects that come through. Um, so they're monthly meetings. That's a great way to start. So you start seeing what's happening because that's going to be where the code changes first and you see it because before all the apartments came into the single family areas, they had to get approved and passed through these. So you're going to see it two to three years before it actually happens. So that's like the fastest way to like start grasping it. And then the next, unfortunately, and it's the best part of my business is how hard it is to learn. <laughs> so you have to just know the code. You have to go in. And so I've spent thousands of hours with the code and I've done tons of different projects where I've tested the code where I can say like, no, you could do it this way, but you can't do it that way. And if you want to tell this story, you need to tell it this way. Do not tell it this way because they won't like it. And that's really like what it is. And going to those community groups and understanding that you start seeing like, what does the city want built here? What do they really want? Okay, if I give them that, I bet I could get some grace on doing these things. But if you're like, no, I really want like a retail store in this neighborhood, they're, they're going to fight you until the end. You know, but if you're like, oh, I want to build a 10 unit apartment complex on a 7,000 square foot lot in North Park, they're like, go for it, please. Yeah. So big thing. Tell us the story that you were telling me last night at a networking event about the National City Project where you went to the the city meeting. <laughs> yeah. So I, oh, I love National City. <laughs> trying to get a 40 unit apartment complex approved. Um, it was a little bit unique because it was co-housing. Um, so that's basically separate bedrooms, shared living spaces, um, where you rent them out. And, um, I presented my project and I gave like what I thought was like the coolest speech ever. Um, it's talking about like how this is the Uber of housing and it's going to change the world. Uber <laughs> like, <of housing. laughs> and, uh, I turned around from giving my speech and everyone booed me. <laughs> <laughs> And then I mean, in, in National City, can't you just see that kind of turning into like a housing for like not, you know, more like a good little hub for, you know, exchanging things that might not be legal and <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. It, so I love um, my housing in National City. I've done really well there on my other projects. In fact, the reason why we started this call late was because of that 40 unit project. I just got the approval. We switched it to an eight unit. So I was going over everything with my civil engineer to make sure it got done. Nice. So Congrats. I would say that what you um, said there, Sarah, was what they said to me. um that's what they think (laughs) but i mean i don't especially if it's a lower income like entry point i i feel like it's yeah it's almost like maybe that's a good idea for how to deal with the homeless situation that we have in san diego you know what i mean i got i got we got got hours of ideas yeah (laughs) So you ended up not going with that and you turned it into eight units. Yeah. With their own kitchens and their own living room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're all three bedrooms. So. Oh, nice. Oh, they're big. Yeah. Yeah. They're big. So. Do you find a bigger return on more bedrooms versus. So like if you can have 
the possibility of say five units that are all going to be three bedrooms and one and a half baths, or you can have 10 units and they're all going to be one ones. Which one would you rather go with? One ones mostly. We yeah. Get a better price per square foot. Right. So, okay. Even well, though you have then 10 kitchens that you have to account for in the budget and running lines and et cetera, you still see that the returns higher in smaller, less rooms. Yeah, it definitely is. Now, what I've seen and what I'm experiencing is some of these larger bedroom count units are easier to refinance and stabilize. So I'm going to have tenants stay a lot longer if there's more bedrooms than if it's one bedrooms, right. life changes, different stuff like that. They can't stay there forever. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing you look at on cost, but price per square foot definitely affects it. We have a few strategies on some of our multi-units. So like I used uh, pre-manufactured housing that we ship to a property. So all those units are built off site and then brought to the property and then placed. What portion of it are you pre-manufacturing? 95%. Okay. Everything but the lines in and the flooring. We do all the flooring there. Wow. Just to elaborate, I think when people hear like prefab or houses not made on site, they just jump right to the conclusion that it's more like a mobile home or it's not built as too high of a standard, which I, I'm sure in your case and from my experience, most of the time that's not the case that in a lot of the time they're actually built even better because they're being built in a controlled area under a roof and and they're usually just as good if not better in quality is that is that your experience they're better yeah like they are they're just they're made way better right did you kill it on that deal oh what was the word you were using last night rip Ripped, yeah, you ripped it. You, probably, you, yeah. ripped, you ripped it. Ripped like five hundred k on that. It. Like more of a surfing <laughs> term. Well, what yeah, I learned it's is it's like how much money you make. Like I ripped like ten grand. Can you just say I made a lot of money on it? <laughs> no, ripped is way cooler. Well, sorry, I feel like ripped just sounds like you like ripped your clothes or, or ripped I think apart. it's surfing or yeah, like it's just yeah. Well, I was a surfer forever, so oh, it makes sense. Then. That's probably where it comes. Yeah, to. yeah. that's why I'm like, that's what I think. You're like, you like, thought it was so interesting. I was like, yeah, I think I've said that for years. Yeah, I was yeah. like, wait, what? I was like, wait, what? was that really the word that you learned last night? <laughs> so, in addition to being the zoning and code guru, you are also the host of the Brewery Real Estate Networking event, which we love to go yes. hang out at and always have a good time at. I'm curious how putting that event on has affected your career. Oh, it's been great. Um, that national city deal came from that event. Oh, um, cool. interesting. It literally came from a contact there. Uh, I've brought over, so I have the sales team. I've brought agents from coming to that event. They've come over. Um, and then we've done, we do a lot of business from it, like a surprising amount of business from it. And just so everybody else who is listening knows, um, the brewery event is hosted by Andrew Greer and it is goes uh, from month to month. It's located at like different locations at breweries that do you guys pick them out or they come to you or? We pick them out. So we do get requests and we do those. Yeah. But we pick them out. Okay. And that is still to this day, 
has been my favorite networking event since it started. So um, you can find it on Meetup, right, Andrew, and Facebook, yeah. I think. Yeah. So San Diego Real Estate Networking is like the hub that's underneath. Mm-hmm. We'll take you straight there too now. Perfect. Oh, perfect. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got the networking event, the development, the flipping, the buying hold, the sales team. <laughs> like it kind of seems like one, you're taking over the world, <laughs> but you're basically like controlling your entire supply chains in a way for the businesses that you're creating. Was that your plan at the beginning, like going into it? Or is that just ever evolving as you're doing more? Tell us more about like your mindset around that. Yeah, it's just, it's evolved as we've done more and I've met more people and seen opportunities and saw like ways to implement people. Like that's been the biggest thing. So it's like, we see an opportunity, um, and we go after it essentially. And if it aligns, like there's like somebody that could be in like real estate, but then they're like, oh, I have a side hustle. I make baskets. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like I want to do stuff. That could be that- a closing <laughs> gift. <Yeah. laughs> How does that correlate? <laughs> stuff that like ties into the business. Like, so if I'm working with the sales team, we're going to get deals. If I'm working with the construction, we're going to be able to go out and get other properties to build if I'm doing it, it just allows us to like always have a hand in something mm-hmm. and have the ability to control it a little I guess I am a control freak no, <laughs> I was gonna say I'm there like when know. is he going to admit to it finally <laughs> I mean everything everything is based around him being in control <laughs> I just had to I had to be in control of when I figured that out so. yeah yeah control <laughs> you it. can't tell me yeah, when no, i'm a control freak i'll just tell myself just lead you into it it's okay <laughs> so yeah that's funny i mean it is a, there's a control aspect but it's just smart business too yeah yeah it's i mean we're just feeding everything's feeding off of itself so mm-hmm. what's that what's your do you have a personal life what's that look like <laughs> do you do anything when you go to the bathroom that's not <laughs> Directly related to real estate. I do do uh, races. I do running. So I enjoy running. that. Marathon? Yeah. Jogging? Marathons, ultras, all that stuff. Oh, wow. So, and then I do a lot of uh, hiking. And then I have a two and a four-year-old. So I have a lot of dad time that I do too. That's so. good. Um, I want to know about a passion project that you are currently working on or hoping to start that may or may not necessarily produce income, but you are passionate about it. I, I randomly enjoy gardening. I love that. I I do enjoy that. And I do. It's another really weird thing is I enjoy doing electrical. I know that sounds super weird. really? Like doing, I do all the like wiring at my house. And it's not like, uh, it's cause I enjoy it, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Do you have any kind of electrical background or? Done all of it off of YouTube. Wow. That's like your go-to for learning. Yeah. So like I cut out all of our can lights and like redid everything. No way. Yeah. Cause I was like, oh, I want to change this. And I was like, I want to learn it. And then like, it's funny, like if it gets like really difficult or like, like there's some stuff I need done in the attic. And I was like, I don't want to learn it that bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
I had the electrician come do that. I want to crawl up there. I was like, I was like, I was like, I want to do like the easier stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can choose. Why not? Do you yeah. have your own little vegetable gardening garden too? And I, yeah. I know that gardening is actually extremely therapeutic. There's studies that show that like being one with nature and putting your hands in dirt and stuff is actually a thing. Oh, yeah. I'm a total hippie. I do it barefoot without gloves. All that yeah, stuff. grounding. So to wrap things up here, what would you advise or like what's a tip or trick that you would share with someone who is trying to get into the development space or even just real estate in general? What do you tell people in those situations? I think if you want to get in, just start networking. That's the very first thing. Brewery is a great start. Yeah. It's it's a perfect way to like get in and meet people because you all, we all know when you start, like you look stuff up and you're going to get all like the pitches on like, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Go to networking where you're going to have a bunch of different people ask them their thoughts and you're going to get more real answers than the guy that is paying for the ads for you to see it. Yeah. That's a good one. Just start meeting people and get information that way and build relationships. Yeah. So if anyone wants to invest with you or work with you in some capacity, where should we send them to in the show notes? What should we link to? Um, you can link them to realty entrepreneur on Instagram. That's like yeah. an easy way to get a hold of me. Yeah. Um, and then invest with Andrew generally has invest with Andrew.com generally has whatever my next investment is on there. That's awesome. Cool. Page. So, um, I don't have anything in there yet, but I'll have something on Monday because I have a new project coming. Oh, very Ooh. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, any final thoughts you'd like to share? No, just, I think, you know, the biggest thing for anybody trying to get into this is like network, go meet people, talk to the people doing it that's how you're actually going to learn something. Yeah. Good advice. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and look forward to seeing you at the next Brew RE. Yeah. Appreciate your time, Andrew. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the Built Different podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and follow us on Instagram at built.different.podcast. Check out the show notes for additional information and resources.